0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Soy Advisor podcast. I'm Kelsey Litchfield with the Illinois Soybean Association. Coming up on today's episode, part two of the growing season recap with Illinois Soybean Association outreach agronomist and certified crop advisor, Stephanie Porter. We will start with a field visit Stephanie and I made in about mid-July in Prairie City in central Illinois. We were coming back from a field day. We stopped as the farmer had been discovering some dead patches in this field of soybeans. And from the road, you couldn't tell as it looked like a normal field with some outstanding soybeans. But getting in there and pulling the plants apart, we started counting all of the dead plants that were there. Stephanie explains more about this field visit
1: the places that got the heaviest rains after the derecho were the first ones hit. But around mid July, uh, I, I coined this root rot mania. Um, so we just had a lot of different things going on. And one of those was that field and it was actually Phytophthora root rot. And so that was popping up, um, all across the state, um, and also in nearby states. And it was, a little concerning because that specific field that you referred to, I was very familiar with those genetics and that variety and great phytophthora resistance. A, a variety can have tolerance to phytophthora. So uh, just regular bread tolerance. And then they also have resistant genes and, and different combinations. And it, it had what we coined as great phytophthora protection and would have a high rating whenever you looked it up. In in a seed guide, and uh, Ohio is known for a lot of their root rots, and so it was a it was something that was grown um, a lot in Ohio just because of that production protection. So that raises the red flag to us. What's going on here? Um, and other states are reporting that they're seeing um, some. Um, Phytathra perhaps overcoming some of that resistance, and so we are going to be talking more about that at our Better Beans series in Northern Illinois.
0: Yeah, a lot to cover during those events just because of everything that happened here in <laughs> 2023. It's hard to wrap it up, but I think you've been doing a great job so far of taking us through this timeline of the growing season. Um, the other
1: thing that was happening too, and I had a couple Of field visits in the north, and I kind of commented on this before, but um, towards that Waterman area, as well as, I can't remember the other town, um, but they actually were seeing a lot of yellow patches, and it was actually, they were sending off the plants. Uh, They had Fusarium root rot, Um, or they, I had several people text me or, or talk to me and say, well, they found three or four different pathogens, but, you know, how do I know what the main one was? But normally we don't worry a lot about Fusarium root rot in soybeans, but we were seeing it this year. And the curious thing is that um, that some of those fields were coming out of it later on. And so it was, I. in my theory, again, is it was almost a shock to the system and when I did the field visit actually in Waterman, it was still raining while I was looking at... It was raining again. Um, and it was... You could see that those, those areas that had fusarium root rot were actually still saturated in the low-lying areas. And, and they did come out of it. I, I should have done my homework. I'm going to call to see how they did and yielded. But that field that we visited in Prairie City... Made seventy. I just mm. learned that last Friday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they did look good, yeah. didn't they?
0: Yeah, and I would I would say considering that's pretty good um, of what of what we saw um, back in early to mid July. And I think Stephanie, This is also while you're talking about this. I think you know this was also the start of getting calls or starting to look at red crown rot, which is yeah. Um, you know, it, being discovered and um, what was it, 2018, 2019 in that, in that time frame, and then farmers were starting to see, agronomists were starting um, to see it in fields, and you even visited a field um, in Western Illinois where it was so bad, they're, go- they're not going to do soybeans, they're going into corn. So talk about that from your perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah, with it being so um, new. So,
1: yeah. So it was documented by Dr. Nathan Kliczewski, um in twenty eighteen officially. Um, you know who knows how long it had been there, and who knows how many other places it was. Um, it just we just hadn't seen the symptoms yet, and um, I think a lot of it has to do with the disease triangle. And the thing about red crown rot, and just like we, it was just a great year um, after those heavy rains for uh, root rots to show up. And one of those root rots was red crown rot. And so we discovered it in a lot of different areas that maybe they hadn't seen it before across central Illinois. Um, and so um, it it is a, a disease that's very similar to death syndrome, but it, it affects early, but it it likes the opposite conditions, So it likes warm and wet. And so I think we had that. Um, it sends up a toxin towards um, mid-July or in the flowering stage. Robert Bellum uh, is a retired extension, and he has been dealing with this in Madison County. And he says, you know, usually about R3 to R4 is a good time to scout for it. But anytime after flowering, um, that fungus that's in the base will send up a toxin, just like some other diseases. And it causes intervenal necrosis. So it can be confused easily with Sundus syndrome, as well as other diseases as brown stem rot, which we did see across uh, the state. And then as well as um, a stem canker can send up a toxin like that. And so the other problem was that there was a lot of misdiagnosis going on. Um, there's no denying that. And so we were encouraging people to send off their samples to the U of I plant clinic or, or whatever, you know, diagnostic clinic of their choice. And we were having a lot of agronomists do that. Um, but we were offering um, through, um, through U of I, we had some uh, we were able to have some free testing um, for people, and so they were taking advantage of that. And that, uh, and that was another way that we could we could help um, those researchers at U of I to help track where it was in the state. Um, but I think that rain also helped us to get. Um, a little bit of, not major, but starting to see some foliar diseases towards the end of July. And um, so we had started seeing a little bit of tar spot in central Illinois, um, but luckily it remained low um, overall. And a lot of people had gone ahead and sprayed fungicides like we did on our own farm, and we had sprayed something that has good efficacy on tar spot. We had never officially seen tar spot on our farm before. My cousin said he had seen it in Montgomery County. Um, so it was new for us. Um, in the South, they were seeing frog eye leaf spot. They started to see that, but I think the key was it just started to get really, really hot. Um, and I think it was after that field day that we had, um, we had another field day with Brady Hulse in Western Illinois and it was hot. Um, But by July 27th, we were starting to see some grain fill in central Illinois on that early planted corn.
0: Variable is the word that's come up a lot um, from this growing season. When you talk about disease pressure, insects, like it it was just spotty. We talked about it when it came to harvest. Yields were variable, better than what what some thought. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But like you said, there was still plenty of areas still dealing with the drought and you know other areas got rain but I think we tend to forgot about the ones that were still suffering from dryness and we yeah and we were reminded of that when we went to Brady Hulse yeah so uh, in western Illinois yeah it
1: kind of was shocking I don't know you know what your take of no
0: it was was shocking because I remember looking at the window like man those cornfields look terrible like and I had not seen that Um, given he's South of me and around my area in West central Illinois, I, I didn't see that. So it's just, it's just mind boggling sometimes about how variable it can get. But I think that just serves as another reminder to, you know, get out there, scout, but also Illinois is a huge state from Northern to Southern, East to West. Yeah again reminder
1: not everybody had gotten rain at that time Mm -hmm. and brady was one of them and we had a
0: tailgate there so yeah so going into august now um thinking with harvest on our minds more so in august uh what were your some your field visits what did those entail and what were you seeing across that month
1: so just a reminder around August 7th, we started to see some more rain and especially um, some of the south got some rain a little bit too. And so that was another timely, those were the, some of those timely August rains that we were needing for soybeans. So that helped a lot. Um, there were some areas where Chris Eiler, who is a ISA Soy Envoy, also was reporting just now starting to see Death syndrome on August 7th. And again, soybean cyst nematode. So it was kind of a hot topic this year. I feel like I'm getting a lot of questions on soybean cyst nematode. Um, we are offering free testing um, through U of I Plant Clinic. Um, so we're ISA checkoff dollars are helping to fund that. And um, we're getting a lot of questions about Peking as I travel. Um, but the other thing that was uh, a little bit kind of uh, um, alarming Um, and not expected, I should say, was they started to find white mold in the north. And um, they didn't expect that. Um, So that was showing up. Um, And then the other thing, there were some areas, um, for example, on our own farm, we started to see some gosses wilt on some susceptible hybrids. And goss's will is a bacterium so it needs some kind of injury so we had hail several points in the growing season as well and so uh that was showing up um and then um also bean leaf beetle feeding by the end of august um was showing up and there was especially in that east central illinois area they were scouting really really heavy beetle feeding um and not just, they were not just seeing, we were seeing it too at Decatur at the Farm Progress show, you know, Japanese beetles were heavy and a little bit heavy in the area. Um, and so some might assume that it was Japanese beetles feeding because the, the bean leaf beetle is so small that when, you really had to get in the field and they were actually using nets and they were finding really, really high numbers of those bean leaf beetle. Um, and so they were spraying fields late. And the other thing, there were certain spots where they were reporting some charcoal rot, which is not surprising. That is something that shows up when it's wet early and then dry. Um, I think those were probably really isolated spots in Western Illinois and Southern Illinois. Um, But overall, um, at this time in Central Illinois, where they uh, were lucky enough to do some double crop, uh, we were seeing some flowering um, around
0: mid-August as well. I'm glad you mentioned Farm Progress Show because that's what immediately came to my mind. We had the new plots over there in Decatur, which we'll continue to use each year. But I remember people come up and saying... Uh, looks like you have a bit of a beetle problem on those <laughs> leaves. And we're like, it's a real life plot. Like, um, you know, we're not trying to hide anything here. Um, but I remember that being a big problem while we were down there. And but it served as a good point. We broke out the defoliation um, keychains that we have. And, you know, it proves to be a good tool. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, got, yeah, it was a real life experience. And everybody got to ID bean leaf beetles. That's for sure. So anything else in August that piqued um, your interest or any, any other concerns you had or um, going into September, were you seeing much of the same things you were seeing in August? I think it was just getting so hot and dry that
1: in some areas, especially where we planted earlier, uh, you know, hybrids are really starting to turn really quickly. Um, with the heat and uh, by September 5th we were seeing black layer almost black layer on our farm in central Illinois where we had planted the first week of April Um, the other really hot topic that I heard over and over again was how bad the deer were Mm -hmm. in southern Illinois Uh, and they were just horrible I feel bad I mean um if there was only something we could do or an invent to help um, but it's really bad and then around this time um, we helped to advertise or or make known that <clears throat> Dr. Nick Sider from U of I was once again working not only and Kelly Estes I should say too they go around the state and kind of survey for pests. But the one that they've been specifically looking for was Dectes stembor, and it started to pop up, of course, end of August, 1st of September in Western Illinois, as well as Southern Illinois. Not that it wasn't anywhere else, but that's where I was receiving reports from, and they'll have more details. Uh, about their pest survey at the soybean summit, which will be February 1st. Um, but the other thing that happened was a lot of people were splitting those stems and later, um, late season and seeing that brown and the larvae may not still be there from the stem bore, and they were calling it brown stem rot. Mm-hmm. So just something to be aware of to make sure you know what pest and, or what disease is going on. But overall, Uh, Areas like West Central Illinois, uh, David Wessel on our board was reporting that soybeans were turning really quickly by mid-September with with the drought. And um, Matt Reardon uh, was reporting that really alarming low river levels, which was not good as well. And um, I guess lastly, another plug for Sean Castile. He's been doing a lot of research with sulfur and soybeans which he'll be talking about at the better bean series in bloomington um but he was tweeting pictures or x on the x uh actually of seeing great responses with sulfur and beans at this time uh around the september time frame and i guess the, the the hottest topic uh was overall in the entire season <laughs> and I was one of them that I was in the tractor I was in the combine and all these black moths were everywhere and so I remember texting you Kelsey I said I got I don't have time but I've got to blog about this I said everybody is asking me about them so what they were were actually the moths of uh, green clover worms that you can sometimes you know find in soybeans it's not normally a major pest that we talk about um but they were actually by the end of September everywhere and while people were harvesting and everybody was wanting to know what the heck those were um so kind of a nuisance type pest
0: that story was definitely shared farm wide like I saw you know I think I saw a bank shared it you know they're in a rural area but it was definitely a hot topic for a good like week and then people were like oh this is what it is and then it kind of died down but I do remember that as well um interesting you never know you especially with that pest you think it's fairly
1: isolated so you don't think it's something that everybody's concerned with but mm-hmm. that must have been a fairly wide area where there must have been a high population of clover yeah. yeah. clover worms
0: this. Yeah. And like Stephanie said that when we pulled the analytics for our top stores on Ilso Advisor, um what is the idea of all these black moths was number 1. So um not surprising to me cuz I did see it being shared a lot, but you know, that's the kind of thing when you're an agronomist or a crop advisor, you you see what people are asking and you address those questions and that's exactly what you did. Um Real quick, when I was back to the deer damage, when I was in Chicago for an annual farm Bureau meeting, talking to Uh a farmer, and he said um, one of the ways he's trying to combat deers eating his soybeans is overpopulation, say 200, and that helps thins it out. So then you still have a good population of soybeans once they get through and I guess are okay. full. So I, I, I don't know. He just said that's one strategy management practice he's trying. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to combat those, those deer um, when they have soybeans just waiting for them to chew on. So, you They're know. They're hungry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a pest that we're trying to discover, but never know what could happen. But to wrap all this up, I guess we did do a harvest recap with our soy envoys um, this past fall. Um, I did an interview with some agronomists from areas of the state. And like I said earlier, you know, having all these issues of the growing season You know, you never know how it's going to turn out. I mean, back in June, if you would have said we got some of the yields we did, people would not have probably believed you. But it's a wider span and a lot can happen, as we've learned today in those months, that from week to week can just turn a crop around. Yeah. And I think, again,
1: even in some of those drought areas, I've been trying to check in with people and they were pleasantly surprised. Um, I think that everybody was expecting so much worse that when they finally got in the fields, it really wasn't that bad. So um, it should be interesting to see how it all turns out here what and see what, you know, our actual average yields will be.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is a plug to the Illsoy Advisor I launched a online crop report um, this past growing season. Stephanie, you want to talk a bit about that? And then I have a few more questions to kind of sum up the whole year for you.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, a lot of this information that I shared uh, was on um, reported on our El soy Advisor crop report new. Uh, if you go to L-SoyAdvisor.com, there is a tab for it. And what is happening is we have our own team members as well as uh, soy those soy envoys that I keep talking about and U of I Extension, uh, different ones reporting all across the state in different regions and letting us know what's going on, or when they find a pest, or also uh, crop, not just crop conditions, um, but also perhaps you know what growth stages the the, the crops are in, or any major weather um, that happens and anything else. And so, uh, that is all there where you can find it. And I think Kelsey has some special ideas t- going forward that, you know, we'll try to get more of that information out and in, in the coming year, but this was our first year and I think we had a pretty good run.
0: Yes, definitely. And it's like I've mentioned before, Illinois is such a big state that we want to get accurate reports from each of these regions. um, and deliver that to farmers because I know people are interested about what's happening across the state throughout the growing season. And to wrap this up, Stephanie, a couple questions for you. Talk about harvest real quick. Anything else you want to add there based on the growing season that you saw? Um, any, Any observations from your own combine or any field visits across the state?
1: I think uh, one of the things that we didn't talk about, I guess, was um, it, it cooled down uh, in the heart during fall, and what was happening was the corn wasn't drying down mm-hmm. as quickly in some areas as we normally see it, and uh, I think people were, of course, anxious to get into the corn and start harvesting, and it looked like it was dry especially you know from the road but then once when we started to hop in uh, several fields it was still too wet and so we were waiting a little bit and to be completely honest in my area we never have to worry about dry down uh, normally especially when we plant so early and you know we usually have some warm hot weather which we did for a while there and so that was making the crops really go mature quickly um, but then what happened was we were going on corn and I think soybeans, we really had to watch. I remember tweeting because I and we had some hail in some areas, but um, some soybeans were starting to uh, started to pop out of their shells, which we don't want that because we want to get as much yield as we we can. And we don't want to wait too late on on the soybeans. We want to get them um, before they get, you know, below 10% moisture. And so a lot of people were switching to beans really quickly and going fast and and trying to get those beans before they dried down too quickly mm-hmm. uh, because it, it stopped raining again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't getting that. We just didn't have that moisture there for the beans. And um, that was, uh, I guess, something different for this year
0: with harvest for at least us. And I heard it from others as well. Mm-hmm. But once it dried up, people got going, and I think they got the crop in in a timely manner, um, except for maybe if you had a breakdown or two.
1: <laughs> yeah. The reason
0: why I nervously laughed is because that's what happened to us. <laughs> we did, too. And I guess the other thing
1: was, and we almost had this. I shouldn't say that, but it was scary. And so many different people reported pos- almost having
0: combine fires, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Something to be aware of. Um, you never know what's going to happen during that harvest season, but always encouraging, you know, slow down, be careful. Um, I know we don't, I know sometimes that sounds like a broken record, but it truly is just getting the crop in and then observing from the combine. Someone said to take notes while you're in the combine or in the tractor and write down what you're observing as we head into the next year. And, um, Stephanie, I wanted to ask you, before I ask you my final question, was there anything that challenged you specifically this year as an agronomist? (laughs) Uh, I
1: think that the biggest challenge this year was it seemed like – I remember the season just being almost like, well, it's just a drought. And I remember so many people – coming to us and sponsors and so on wanting to know you know what's the hot topic or media or whoever you know what's going on and there really wasn't much going on for a while there um and I think the biggest challenge was whenever that whole um brute rot mania hit in mid-july mid to late july after the dre show and it was kind of like, okay, boom, here we go. Here's the, the, the hot topics or the pests or whatever, the disease that, you know. Um, but other than that, it was just, it was just dry.
0: Mm-hmm. And there wasn't
1: much going on after that. And then people were getting really distraught. Um, so I think, you know, just dealing with all of that was probably a big challenge. And working through, I guess, the new hot topic Um, of course, is red crown rot and just trying to help people identify that or hearing so many other agronomists just being so discouraged because uh, that people were not identifying correctly. You know, it was there was sudden death syndrome out there and people were just saying it was just automatically saying it was red crown rot. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me um, just trying to help people through that and just helping people to correctly
0: identify it. Mm-hmm. And with that said, how are how is your team, along with collaboration and partners from outside of Illinois Soybean, how are you moving forward with Red Crown Rock? Ex- explain a little bit about the think tank and how you're moving forward if you want to share that.
1: Yeah, so we have uh, started a think tank for red crown rot. And we have invited several researchers, uh, you know, with plant pathology backgrounds from various universities, not just in our state, but outside states as well. And our team is growing. Um, If you haven't heard, red crown rot was identified in Indiana um, as well. And it's also found in Kentucky. And so, um, but Missouri, even though it hasn't been, you know, identified there yet, uh, they are also very concerned about it as well. So we have come together not only with researchers and specialists and people that are, you know, crop consultants that have specifically dealt with this for several years now, this red crown rot. Um, We also have had interest and um, from people that I haven't even met yet, which is very exciting. I can't wait to meet them, but from other soybean associations. So um, from Kentucky and from Indiana and Missouri, and they are going to join us on our journey. And, um, each meeting is very interesting and we get constant updates on what research is being done. Um, for right now, for example, at U of I, USDA ARS is testing a lot of different soybean varieties and, and, um, um, seeing if they have much resistance or tolerance to red crown knot and, um, up until now they they just still aren't seeing much difference it seems like all varieties are very susceptible to red crown rot but that's just one example um when various uh researchers or extension people put out new publications or or want to share a paper that was a long time ago and we've been doing that as well about red crown rot And then um, also if they have a new fact sheet or anything like that. And so we're able to help get that out on our channels just to help bring awareness um, and help with identification of that red crown rot disease.
0: Yeah, that's a good example of collaboration moving forward to try to find a good management practice, good, just a way to help combat this Um, problem that many states are facing and um, who knows what future growing seasons, um, how this will come to be about. So it's good to get an action plan together and be proactive instead of reactive to this. Yeah. Um, Stephanie. Okay. Final question. You might be like, oh no, what's she going to ask now? I know
1: the last one was, they're very challenging
0: questions. Well, I thought about this question you mentioned earlier, you know, the media or farmers always want to know what is the top concern of the year that you had or what was the biggest issue? And I think it's unfair to ask that because a lot of things happened, as we heard today. Um, Everything from the drought to, like you said, rot mania to... Uh, you know herbicides and residuals not activating, and the insects, and you know yeah. a lot, a lot going on. So here's how I will phrase that question: <laughs> For farmers, given everything that happened this year, what? should be top of mind for a farmer going into 2024. Many have probably already made their seed selections. They're looking yeah. at their management plans. What would you tell a farmer now going into this new year, going into this new growing season, given what has happened in 2023?
1: Hands down, do not skimp on weed control. <laughs> um, that that seed bank has built now in the fields, and it's very alarming. Um, I know some people are putting on some fall herbicides now. um, But overall, um, look for ways. I know people are looking more to cover crops. Cover crops did do a good job at controlling weeds. I was just at a presentation... Given by John Pike in Southern Illinois, and he didn't comment on it. But I said, "Man, that's a clean field," and I don't remember seeing a clean sweep that clean of a soybean field driving across the state. And he's like, "That's a good point, Stephanie." So um, I think that they're looking for different ways. And I know we talk about herbicides a lot. And I think um, at that same meeting, we talked about layering residuals, and we ha- did have people in in my area where. Uh, it was even weedier because they we don't like to talk about, it, but they had skimped uh, a bit on their weed control, and so not there's not just herbicides, but there's also other management tactics that we can do that may not be a herbicide that can help suppress weeds. Um, I think another thing that farmers can do uh, they might have just discovered that they had phytophthora in their field, or uh, we had some stem canker in some areas. Um, and um, those types of diseases where they can look at their seed guide and see how, if they never knew that this was on their farm before, they just discovered it. Um, they can also look to see if the variety that they chose for the coming year, even though they might not see that disease, um, make sure it has good tolerance for phytophthora or a disease like stem canker. Um, those are concerns and white mold for Northern Illinois, which is a hot topic there. So that's another example. Um, and so I think those are some of the things that people are doing and talking about. And again, I've been traveling a bit the last several weeks and it seems like the other hot topic is Peking and people, pia um, I think this has been happening for a while um, since I was in college, but, um, you know, it has been, we, the nematodes are overcoming it and people are really realizing it. And the other thing, a comment from s- farmers, and again, I noted this, but sweeping system nematode can be worse than a drought. And there were several farmers that I keep talking to and they said that, you know, what's going on here? I, I tried some... A soybean variety with Peking last year, and it did so much better than everything else. They're they're seeing that it's real. Um, the, the downside is we don't have a lot of varieties in the right maturity ranges or right for their farm with Peking in them. And so I think we're putting pressure on seed companies to bring out some new varieties that have um, Peking, which is an alternate source of resistance to combat soybean cyst nematode. But also remember that sweeping cyst nematode can become resistant to Peking as well. Mm. And so um, Greg Tolka, uh, Iowa State it, I just read an article that he's reminding people that we really still need to um, not just rely on Peking either every year um, because we will have resistance. So um, there's new resistance on the horizon and I hope we can bring more information out about that as well.
0: Yeah, that, great call outs. Um, something to think about over this winter season, Um, and Stephanie plugged it many times today, but I'll just reiterate. Ilso Advisor, Illinois Soybean, we're hosting winter events throughout January and the first part of February. January, will start on the 11th in Bloomington at the ISA office. January 18th, we'll travel down to southern Illinois, Ren Lake, um, and then we'll head up to northern Illinois January 25th in Deer Grove talking about everything from weed management to disease to stress um definitely great agronomy events and then stephanie do you want to talk about soybean summit real quick yeah
1: so soybean summit will be february 1st and it's a full day event and we will have uh some um Uh, topics that we will cover there, I guess, will be all over the place, but um, just focusing in on um, soybean management, uh, different ways to get some higher yields, but doing it in a sustainable manner. Um, We hope to introduce our new uh, Superior Soybeans, which is a service offered by our ISA agronomy team. Um, And also, we will be having Chris Weaver, who is also known as the Pod Father, and he will be visiting us um, and talking more about his own farm, his own on-farm trialing, but also doing it in a sustainable way. Because not because I, I know he wants to. I've talked with him for to have you know um, soil good soil health and to, to maintain that for a future, but he also is doing it because they have regulations in his area. So he'll be talking more about that as well.
0: Yeah. All good stuff. And I want to iterate too. So better beans we've heard before, um, you know, you're not coming to my part of the state. And while it was very hard to get to 102 counties across the state of Illinois, you know, we try our best to try to come um, and do regions. So northern, central and southern. Um, like last year, we were in western Illinois. This year, we moved towards more the northwestern Um we really try to, um, accommodate those locations and we're always looking for locations for these better bean series since they're more regional. Um, but I will say we are going to live stream those too. So if you're unable to come check out Ilsoy advisor, and we'll be, um, sharing those presentations as well after the fact too. So, um, you can, you can tune in live or, or afterwards too. And that goes for soybean summit stephanie thank you so much for uh giving us a year in review um and we'll talk soon about 2024
1: okay. thank you kelsey
0: for more agronomic news and information visit Ilsoidvisor.com. that's where you can also find more information about our upcoming events this winter better beans in january and soybean summit on february 1st thanks for listening to this episode I'm Kelsey Litchfield.